Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, June 4th, 2014. Yes, we are back, starting off our June with a return guest who is on Skype tonight. Hi there. (laughs) And you are? I'm no one, yet everyone. (laughs) No, I'm JT from The Game Crafter. (laughs) That's right. JT is back. And uh, some people may recall, we've had JT on a couple different times. Uh, Once on the main podcast, we talked about just The Game Crafter in general back in uh, those days. Yep, the early days. <laughs> the early days. Uh, we've had JT on. He was part of the Proto Spiel special we did as well. So a brief interview there. Oh, I forgot about that yeah. one. Yeah. And then most recently, of course, we had him on for the Game Crafters kind of diving into Kickstarter to uh, experience the process and know more for their customers. And that was the Village in a Box Kickstarter. And there were several games you could get out of that one. And that Indeed. one was successful. So congratulations there, sir. Yeah, thank you. We we overfunded like crazy on that one. So we've got uh, JT back. And uh, JT, why are we going to have a conversation this evening? Well, tonight I'm here to talk to you about a game that you know and love called The Captain is Dead. This is correct. Yes. So it's, uh, I don't know, do you want me to just dive right in and talk about it? You know, let's let's hold it off for a second here. Yeah, we'll okay. we'll get to it. But how about we go ahead? You know, we've had JT on before, so uh, we know some of his story. <laughs> and uh, so, how about we just kind of pick up almost where we left off last time? I mean, you know, we we gave the general information that the Village in a Box Kickstarter was successful, but you know, we like to do all the the lessons and all that good stuff. So, sure. what kind of lessons? You know, I I know you were doing it to get lessons, really. For, yep. for yourself and for your customers over at the Game Crafter. Yep. So what what did you pull out of running that and, and having a successful Kickstarter? Well, um, as you know, uh, the first lesson I learned is that I should be listening more frequently to uh, the game of crowdfunding. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing that. I'll, so, ta- I'll uh, take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's It's almost critical to do that. So that was a that was a big lesson learned. I also learned, uh, you know, from you, actually, not from the game of crowdfunding, but just a conversation with you that we needed to uh, be promoting the Kickstarter long in advance of launching it. You know, we didn't do that last time. This time I've been showing it to lots of people and getting feedback. Uh, I posted out to my blog and some social media stuff to get some feedback after, you know, my first round with friends and family and whatnot. And so, you know, I've been getting it out there a lot more a lot earlier than we did last time. I think in general, that was almost a a bit of a mindset shift for you. It was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I've, I've been around you off and on quite a bit, but as far as the game crafter is concerned, I know you like to keep things close to the chest until you're 100% sure something's going to happen. Like if you're going to do new printables or anything like that, just in case something in the process goes wrong, you don't want to disappoint people that use the game crafter services. Right. Yeah. With the game crafter. Yeah. Everything is, is basically a secret until. Until we have launched it in the blog or until I know that we're going to announce it the next day or something. Sometimes I'll, you know, uh, I'll be in the chat and I'll uh, give people uh, the heads up a few hours early. Right. But generally speaking, we're talking hours there. We're not talking days, weeks, months, you know, that sort of thing. So to talk about something weeks or months in advance of it launching is so foreign to me. That, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a complete shift in the way I think. Right. And especially since when we are talking about sharing your page, it's nowhere near its final stage and it doesn't need to be. And right. again, that's one of those things where you like, you know, with, with the game crafter and it makes perfect sense. Of course, there, you know, you like things to be as lined up as perfect as they can be so that by the time, like you said, you're talking about it maybe hours in advance, somebody might be looking to use it when it launches and you want that experience to go off without a hitch the first time. Right. Well, and I, I want it. I like that surprise factor too. It's like everybody's excited all at the same time because they all find out, you know, at the same time. Uh, so I love that with the game crafter with, with leaving things a secret until the last minute, but also 
like you said, I like things to be pretty much perfect by the time people see them. So by the time we launch something that's on the Game Crafter, we have already taken photographs of it. We've trained our staff on how to do it. We've written programs into our site software to make it run. We've created templates for it. We've written up blog posts for it. You know, we've created content pages on the site. We've done tons and tons of work and refined it and tested it through the entire process. You know, it takes weeks or even months sometimes to develop a new product that we're going to launch on the Game Crafter. So, you know, there's all this work that goes into it. And then there's kind of the, hey, we just, we announce it and boom, everybody's excited that, hey, there's this new thing everybody's been waiting for. And now it's there finally. It's ready to use instantly upon, you know, <laughs> announcement. And so then go to the Kickstarter and be like, uh, you want to see the page and I haven't even uploaded all the art yet and I don't have the videos done and you just want to kind of, you know, start looking at it. That's just weird. <laughs> right. right. Like I said, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a mindset shift for you, but one that, you know, we, we did have that conversation about and it was actually after village in a box. I believe we were, just, I was just like, yeah, it had already launched. JT, JT, JT. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we had those conversations and, and, uh, we talked about, you know, the, the marketing aspect of getting it out there early and, and empowering people to allow them to offer you suggestions and stuff. And then not only having early eyes on it, but then kind of making them feel like they're part of the project. Right. Especially if they do uh, happen to point out something that makes sense for you to, you know, implement and put in place. And so you you get all of you get that you you start that crowd, that community feel early and and pull people in and get them excited for the day you do launch. Right. Yeah. One of the hardest things for me with this has been, you know, uh, people have offered some feedback and I've taken a lot of it and applied it to the to the page and gotten you know, refine some of my videos and, and that sort of thing based on the feedback. But some, I can't take all of the feedback and that hurts because I like, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, do right by everybody. But, you know, you ultimately you need to make decisions about what you can do and what you can't do, what you could pull off financially and what you can't, what you can pull off visually and what you can't. And so it, it's rough trying, to, you know, taking all this feedback in that I'm not used to having and trying to apply it and figuring out what I can and cannot apply. Right. And that, that is a huge thing that we talk about off and on is, you know, it's the filtered feedback. You can't, you can't do 100% and you shouldn't, you shouldn't do 100% because there's a lot of us. All right. So I can come in and I can look at your page from a general page perspective. And by the, by the time I'm done giving feedback and if I, if I feel somebody's hesitant towards what I'm telling them, usually I, I end up ending our conversation, not ending it as like, I'm not talking to you anymore, but ending yeah. it with, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, this is your project. This is your baby. This is your product. You have to be comfortable with it. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not as invested in it as you. I, I can tell you what I see as an outsider, but there, there are going to be people that give even, uh, well, you should change this in the game. Well, you, this is somebody that's actually never played the game. They're just looking at what right. you have on a page. So as somebody that's played the game, you know, you can, you can, and design the game, you can kind of possibly say off the top of your head, no, that might not work. Or, Hey, you know, maybe I'll give that to a couple play testers, but yeah, you have to always filter uh, and right. use what you're comfortable with and what makes the most sense for your project. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. And I'm used to doing that with the, with the game during the prototyping phase. But when you get to the Kickstarter page, you know, it's like, we're not talking about the game anymore. Now we're talking about the page. And I'm like, you know, if one person thinks this, then somebody else is probably going to think that as well. So I, I try to take as much of that in, but it's just like the, it's just like the game design process. You, you can't do everything. Like you said, you, you still have to, you have limits. So right. anyway, so that, that was another thing that I learned kind of, uh, along the way, I learned how long 30 days actually is. <laughs> Man, it seems like it goes on forever after a while. Uh, you know, in the first few few days, everything is like you can't stop refreshing the page. You know, you can't refresh the page fast enough to see, you know, what what's going on, what comments have people made and how many people have pledged and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then you're into week two and you're like, isn't this thing over yet? You know, that sort of thing. And then, of course, it gets exciting again as you get later in the campaign. You're into your final hours. Are we going to make this stretch goal or that stretch goal? You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And then afterward, 
I think were some pretty big shockers for us. Kind of how the survey system works in Kickstarter. Right, I found yeah. it to be kind of a big pain in the ass. And, and the data that it generates is not very clean. So we had to do a lot of massaging to it to make it useful to us. Part of that was, I think, how we asked the questions. Uh, so that was a learning experience as well. But I think the biggest one that really, like, I just didn't see it coming was how long it takes people to reply to the surveys. We're a little over a month after we've done, we're done shipping Village in a Box at this point. We're like a month and a half after we've already done shipping it. And we still have two or three people who have not replied to the survey even yet. <laughs> I'm like, nice. they paid money and they didn't reply to get their games. So it's shocking. I mean, a month and a half or something like that, or a month after we launched the survey, we still had almost a dozen people that hadn't replied to the to the survey. Now, that's not a lot in the greater scheme of things because there were like seven or 800 people backing the Kickstarter. So it's a very small percentage, but still, they paid. You want to get them the games and everything, but you can't if you don't have their address. All right. So anyway, that was shocking to me too, is just how long it takes to before you can even really get things rolling, how long it's going to take for that kind of uh, period after you've launched the survey, but until you get enough response back. And did you uh, run in, into any like uh, delays in, in payment or any of that good stuff? Yeah, there were a few people that, you know, their credit card expired or something, so the they couldn't do the payment. But those were pretty few and far between. I expected more, actually. I think there were only two or three that, you know, there wasn't a payment didn't go through. More, it was the people who, you know, didn't reply to the survey or after we shipped them the games, then they let us know that they moved or that, you know, they never received the game, like it went to their landlord or something and, you know, nobody, they didn't get it. So there are lots of little mix-ups with, uh, with that, even though we collected the survey data and then shipped the stuff out within about a month. You know, it, it wasn't a very long period of time between collecting the data and shipping, but it was long enough that some of those little mishaps happened with addresses and things. Yeah, I got to I got to tell you, like before our move, I always kind of was I wasn't sure what to think of some of the. Well, I didn't I didn't I was I moved or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. then it kind of happened to me where we weren't planning on moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it kind of happened. <laughs> and then we moved. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to figure out like all these things that I some of them, depending on the project I backed like over a year ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like uh, and, and especially. Especially like I just had one show up at our old house because they didn't put anything out that they were ready to ship. So oh, wow. I, I had no idea uh, that it was at that point. I, I've contacted a lot of people that I knew were about to ship and, and whatnot. But, you know, there's, again, going back too far, it's hard to kind of remember, well, has this shipped or has this not? Especially since all my games are in boxes right now still. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it, it's such a small small thing and minor thing on the Kickstarter side, but for the individual, it's it's a, a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was expecting the forwarding, the mail forwarding to do a lot more than it does, but apparently with packages, it's a little different than like a letter. Right. And it also depends on how a certain, uh, certain place is shipping too. Cause I think like right. the one that went to the old house that actually came like FedEx or something like that. They, they didn't use regular postal. Right. It wasn't as much of an, a burden for you uh, because you did ship relatively soon after your Kickstarter ended. Right. Yep. But one of the nice things that Kickstarter has just recently done is they do allow you now to update your address on a survey, yep. which they've never done before, which has always kind of irked me, even though I was never thinking I would be moving. But just to see the streams of people saying, hey, how do I give you my address? You think this would have been done years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. nice that they finally in implemented it. So that's been kind of cool. So I have been able to use that here recently, too. So. Yep. Yeah, there's there's a lot of these little little kind of things that a lot of people still aren't quite aware of or aren't going to really take it seriously until they, they're actually doing their project. But things like address changes and, uh, yep. you know, delay payments, delay in surveys and replying to surveys, all that, all of those things. People saying, you know, afterwards going, hey, I, I never got my package for one reason or the other yep. uh, and dealing with that side of things. So. Yeah. So it was cool. It was interesting to see all that because that is 
that is exactly the kind of stuff that our backers go through. Or I mean, sorry, not our backers, but our customers at the Game Crafter go through. But we had never seen that before. So having that knowledge, you know, helps us with planning our services around, you know, what what can we do to help you deal with these things? Because a lot of times that was another thing that, you know, somebody would contact us and say, yeah, uh, my Kickstarter just ended and uh, I'm going to make that through you and we want you to ship it all out. And then we don't hear from them for two months or something. And we're like, well, did did they decide to, you know, go elsewhere or, oh, well, it actually just takes that long to get the survey data back. <laughs> so. Right. So that that was a useful a useful tidbit for us. But there's lots of those little details, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of them right now, too. We created a series of blog posts out on uh, news.thegamecrafter.com of a lot of the different little things we learned along the way so that we could refer to them and so that others could, could learn from that as well. All right, so for your next project here, you're going to do one for The Captain is Dead, and actually you're going to do a bundle again, but The Captain is Dead is going to be the primary focus on this particular Kickstarter. Yep, our anchor game this time is The Captain is Dead. We've got two other games this time, whereas Village in a Box, we had eight total games in the bundle, but that's because they were all micro games, right? Right. This time, these are all very big games. These are not your, you know, the, your little $15 or $10 games. These are, these are all $40 or $50 games that are in this bundle. So, uh, the three games, the anchor game, of course, is The Captain is Dead. Uh, then we have Scarborough Fair and Turbulence. Uh, and like I said, these are all big games and I'm happy to describe all of them for you. Before we get there though, I just mm-hmm. want to know. So, um, from your, Village in a Box Kickstarter, and we, mm-hmm. you, we may have already shared it, but just uh, just to kind of maybe drive the point home, what is the biggest change you're making for the Captain is Dead Kickstarter that you learned off of the previous one? Wow, that's tough. There's a, there's a number of, I wouldn't say any of them are huge uh, changes that we're making, but uh, there are a number of, uh, of small tweaks. So uh, one, of course, we've already talked about, which is getting the word out faster. And that's probably the biggest change that we're doing is to make sure that we're, you know, announcing all of this ahead of time. But on the on the page, on the design of the page, we've changed quite a few things. For example, we have made sure to include more information about the games, you know, so that you don't have to visit uh, external sites to see things. So we're, we have a lot more photographs of the stuff. We have more information about the vitals of the game, like what components are included in the game box, what's the playtime of each game, and how many how many players and what age ranges, you know, all that kind of stuff is right on the page rather than having to go to another page. So we're, we're basically, we're trying to bring as much stuff into the Kickstarter page. So you don't have to leave the Kickstarter page if you want to know more about each of the games that are in the bundle. And that's probably the other big change that we made. And then some other small things, you know, last time the bundle was basically you had to buy village in a box and then you could pick either another game to go with it or to get the big bundle of all eight games this time we have three games there you can pick any one game any two games or all three games so even though the captain is dead is the anchor game it's the one that we're titling the kickstarter after and promoting the most you do not have to get the captain is dead if the other two games look interesting to you or even just one of the games looks interesting to you, you can just buy that one game or back that one game and not get the captain instead. So that's a pretty big change. And that was one that we heard uh, over and over again during Village in a Box. People were like, yeah, these three games over here look great, but I'm not really interested in Village in a Box. You know, it wasn't like a huge number of people, but it was enough that made us think, you know, we should probably allow people to just back the games they're interested in backing. Right. It, it had the potential. I mean, you, you guys were very successful with the Kickstarter, but it had the potential to make it grow even a little bit more just by having those extra options. Yep, exactly. So and, and you know, that's the, the nature of games, right? Some games appeal to some people and some games appeal to other people. So right. uh, n- there's no one game that's going to appeal to everyone. So let's let's let people do what they want, or, you know, get back the games that they're interested in and uh, you know, everything will kind of work out. So, all right. So the captain is dead is something that I know you've been working on. It's, it's your, you took over the design process and have been kind of working on it for, for a while. And the other two games, uh, turbulence and Scarborough fair. Yep. Scarborough fair. Yep. 
are from other people in the game crafter community, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So this is another project where not only are, are you looking at the game that you've designed and are trying to get it out there, but you're trying to showcase some of the talent that we talk about off and on on All Us Geeks that actually exists over at the Game Crafter. There are some really decent designers over there. And uh, that's one of the cool things I, I think I like about being a part of that community. You know, JT, you and I have known each other for quite a while, but coming into the community and into the uh, online community of the Game Crafter, it's a great community. It's a helpful community. But even above and beyond that, there are just a lot of really good designers that hang out over there. Oh, yeah. There's so many great designers, and they're always coming out with new, interesting games that I wish I could play all of them, honestly. (laughs) But the thing that's awesome is, you know, you get to see some of these these people starting out and increasing their talent with each, you know, new game that comes out. And and you're just like in awe of you know, what, what people are able to create. So that's why we do the bundles. We want to help these new designers make a name for themselves. Not everybody's going to come out with a Settlers of Catan the first time they, you know, make a game. And so they're not going to be, uh, you know, a household name. They need a little bit more help getting off the ground. And then, you know, the next game, they'll either kickstart themselves, you know, as a, as a standalone game or, they'll maybe get a little heads up uh, working with a publisher on their next game. So it it just gives, it's just one more thing that I feel like we can do to help our community uh, succeed even more than they already do on their own. You know, one of the other cool things I think about the Game Crafter in general is the fact that you guys sponsor so many contests. You you always pretty much have a contest going throughout the year. And right now we're looking at the one that the Flux Capacity sponsored. They're mm-hmm. looking at the semifinalists and working on getting a finalist list for the, the contest that they sponsored over at the Game Crafter, which is going to hopefully be a Kickstarter game in the future as well. Yep, that's the that's the prize is that they're going to actually publish the the number one game, the winning game, uh, will become a, a flux capacity title. They'll go through and do the entire publishing process on behalf of the designer, and they'll work with the designer to build out all the artwork that they might need, or custom miniatures, or any of those kinds of things. Which is that's a really amazing prize to have somebody backing you in that way, you know, because it's a lot of work to run a Kickstarter. Yes. So, and I've I've already I've already talked to Josh, and he knows he's got his hands full right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And again, just some great titles in this this game. He's got his work cut out for him. Oh yeah, I was talking to uh, Jason Glover of Plague Fame, and among others, Tasnia and all those. Um, and we were talking about the this contest. This is one of the few contests we've seen where usually you can kind of divide the uh, entries into. It's about a third chaff, about a third, you know, okay games, and then about a third that are like exceptional games, right? Mm-hmm. And this time, it wasn't like that at all. It was a good half of them are exceptional games. And then there were some that were good. There were only, you know, one or two, maybe up to five at most that I would put in the chaff category. So people really stepped it up for this contest and produced some amazing quality games for the flux capacity so yeah i i agree josh is gonna have a hard time picking or narrowing it down to a list of finalists and ultimately picking a winner i think yeah and uh, i've had a couple people ask me on the game crafter if all us geeks would be involved at all with the kickstarter and my answer is i haven't been officially talked to but josh and i have worked together on the last two or three so uh we we talk pretty regular and uh i am more than happy to help out and josh knows that so (laughs) yes yes your game may be discussed in uh, one of these interviews in the future (laughs) indeed indeed josh is a great guy yeah josh is awesome we it's it's been great getting to know him over the last year or so that we've been kind of communicating back and forth and yeah it's it's one of those things where it's it's not just game related like it's just yep. like hey buddy how you doing kind of stuff and, and he's just a really great guy speaking of contests i should say i don't know exactly we're taping here on a wednesday night uh the following monday here we're actually going to be launching our next contest you were mentioning that we pretty much always have a contest going yes so uh yeah this one is coming to an end at this point so we need to get the next one rolling so 
the next one will be uh, coming out next week. Nice. So, yes, I, I know. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the semifinalists were announced, people are already like, okay, what's next? Yep. <laughs> uh, there, there are people that live for the contest. So that is Absolutely. awesome. And uh, at some point, uh, JT, we need to have a conversation because I'm ready to sponsor another one when you've got an opening. Yeah, well, the micro contest was a hit, so absolutely, we need to do that. All right. So, all right. You know what? Yeah. Now it is time. Let's let's talk about these games. All right. Let's, let's talk do about it. these games. So the captain is dead. Our our anchor for the Kickstarter. Yes. Go ahead and give us your pitch for the captain is dead. Sure. So it's very simple. Basically, imagine your favorite sci-fi TV show that happens on a ship. The last 10 minutes of that show, you know, are always the most frantic part where everything's coming to a head and things have gone so badly in this particular episode that the captain is dead. All right. (laughs) So it doesn't matter whether you're a brown coat or you're more in the command gold category of sci-fi show. It doesn't really matter if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan. doesn't matter. Ultimately, if you got a ship with a captain, you fit this game. And things have gone so badly that the captain is dead. And so now the crew, the remaining crew, have to figure out their way out of this pickle that they're in without the sage advice of their captain. And so that's what the captain is dead is all about. It's just a it's a co-op game where uh, everybody is working together to deal with this hostile alien ship that is out to destroy us. And uh, we just need to get our engines back online and get the hell out of here. That's that's the the concise gist of the story. Now, this is a game that I've played in its early, early stages. It was actually had a different title. This is one of the ones back when I talked to JT at Protospiel that I had played several times. And one of the reasons I played it several times is because I absolutely loved it the first time I got to play it. And uh, so I sat in on a couple more play tests and kind of picked JT's brain a bit here and there and, and, told him a couple things that I thought, and I have not played the latest version. The Captain is Dead is actually on my schedule for next week. I plan on doing a video for this one. I get a lot of games. I play a lot of games. I get excited about a lot of games, but I got to tell you guys right off the bat, I have been bugging JT about this Kickstarter since Protospiel. (laughs) And and (laughs) a lot of people have. Yeah, Protospiel 2013. And a lot of people have. A lot of people have been looking forward to this. This is a great co-op game. I have not gotten a chance to see what changes were made but from the old version to this version there weren't a lot of things at the time that i really thought needed a whole lot of changing so i'm assuming it's just some tweaks here and there uh (laughs) what 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 can you tell me so uh no i've actually it is cosmetically it has changed the most more than more than from a rule perspective uh cosmetically you know it's all new artwork and all new layout of the board and Kind of some of the mechanics of how you flip the switches on the various systems have changed. But overall, it's still a ship with rooms, systems in each room that give you advantages throughout the game. And ultimately, you're still trying to get the engines back online so you can get out. So mechanically, from that level, it's the same game that you played uh, before. Now, uh, you know, I hired an artist from Italy named Gatano. He's phenomenal. So we have this kind of impressionist propaganda style art that is just, it's really visually striking. Yeah. Again, from getting the box in the mail and just taking a a picture of the box cover and posting it, I think I got the most pings about what, what is that? What is that? What is this game? I have to, I have to play it now. I have to own it now just off of the box cover. So yeah, he's done an amazing job with the artwork. It just looks beautiful. Yeah, it, he's a phenomenal artist, phenomenal. And, uh, and he does contract for higher work. So if there are other designers listening to this, you know, and you're looking for some really striking visuals, you might want to, uh, might want to contact him. Uh, he's known as Tanibus on the Game Crafter website and on, uh, Twitter. Anyway, he, he made some really striking artwork for us. So he did all the characters, the ship design, both inside and out. And of course, that really striking cover that you, that you mentioned. And yeah, I remember seeing that when you posted that to, to Facebook. It was like, <laughs> it was like lit up, you know, all these people replying and liking. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really exciting for me to see just because, you know, you're posting it and people are like going crazy over that, that, you know, that, that gave me hope that there's, uh, you know, that this Kickstarter will actually do something. And, you know, it also makes me proud if, after spending a year and a half pouring my life into this game for a year and a half, it's, uh, it's nice to see that people really like 
uh, like what we're doing with it. So anyway, yeah, uh, we've changed out a few systems and we've made it a little bit more refined. The game plays faster now. When you played it uh, at Protospiel, it would take about two to two and a half hours per game play back then, an hour and a, or a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Now we're down to 60 to 90 minutes. So that makes it a much more palatable game for a lot of people. We've developed a lot of stretch goals that we've been playtesting over the last year also so that we'd have some some new cool things that we could add to the game should we make it that far in the Kickstarter. So the first stretch goal that we're going to have is actually adding an additional seven characters that you can play in the game. So we, you know, the base the base game is just uh, seven characters, which is still a lot of characters, but you know, there's an additional seven that we can that we can do. And we have a lot of other a lot of other tweaks to come along too with with various stretch goals. So it's the same base game that you played before, but just really polished and refined now. Nice. Well, like I said, I I absolutely loved loved it back then, and I played it multiple times that weekend, and uh, loved it each time I played it. I, I definitely didn't get bored with it, so I'm looking forward to getting it in again and getting this video in. And I think Jordan just wants to play it, so maybe I'll stop telling him we need to play it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, as soon as we got it in the door, I've just been like, oh, we've we've got to make time in our schedule. We've got to yeah. we've got to figure this out, and you know, it, 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 and I do have a a drop dead deadline for myself because I want to get the video in and get it out uh, close to your launch, which we haven't actually talked about. So what is the launch date for the captain is dead? The launch date is next Thursday, June 12th. So we're, that'll should be in the evening that we're going to launch there. So looking forward to that. Set your calendars, obviously. And of course, I'll give you the link. Uh, actually, I think you already have the link, but I'll give it to you again anyway, uh, so that you can link it in the notes for the podcast. Yeah, if you Uh-oh. email it to me, actually, you gave it to me in chat. And Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah if you right. shoot so, me an email, I'll definitely make sure it's in the show notes so people can check it out prior to the launch as well. And go ahead right. and hit that notify me on launch button. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, my... Uh, my looking at the video will be the weekend uh, directly after the launch. So sometime uh, over that weekend, I should have a video out. So by uh, the 15th or 16th, hopefully uh, you guys can check out my thoughts and opinions and just check it out for the extra visuals from the game itself. So two to seven players, is that still true? Yep, it's still two to seven players. Um, and we did. That's another thing, actually, that we refined a lot uh, since the last time you played. Uh, primarily in the past, when when we were playing the prototype back then, it was a four to seven player game. Mm-hmm. Technically, it would work with two or three, but it hadn't really been play tested a lot. Now I've put in over a hundred play tests with just two and three players to you know really re- refine that experience too of a small version of the game. Okay. Uh, and so that's really really tight now as well. So I'm I'm really pleased with it at all levels, no matter how many players you have and. You know, I gotta say, you've designed games before, so you know this this feeling. After a while, you know, when you play a game a hundred times, two hundred times, three hundred times, it starts to be like, man, do I really want to play this again? But that I, you know, I have that with a lot of the other games that I've that I've made over the years. For whatever reason, I don't have that with this one. I don't know if that just means that it's you know uh, different enough each time that I I don't mind continuing to play it forever, or if it's you know, uh, it's just maybe it's the best game that I've ever made. <laughs> I don't know. But but yeah, in the past, I've always gotten kind of like, God, do I really want to play test that one more time? But not this one. I, I play it all the time. So. All right. So we've got a co-op game on our hands. It means we all win together. But how does the game try to uh, kick us in the head? Okay. So uh, as I mentioned, we got to get the engines online. That's how we win. So how we lose, basically, there's this alien ship that's outside the our ship. Uh, kicking the snot out of us they're blasting us with torpedoes and phasers and whatever and so systems are going offline people are being injured that sort of thing one way is how it makes us lose is there's this alerts deck that it starts with yellow alerts orange alerts red alerts kind of goes in progression and the alerts are kind of the bad stuff that the ship is doing to us Mm -hmm. so if we get it all the way down to the red alerts we're going to lose because the red alerts are really bad. I don't remember if we got all the way to red alerts when you and I were playing at Protospiel, but 
it gets to really. I, I, I think one well. of the games we did, yeah, we. I think the very first game, it was an all new group, and I think we just kind of fell apart fast. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, and I want to point that out too. It, again, with it's a co op game. The nice thing, a, a good co op game, you're going to enjoy and think about even as you lose. Uh, oh yeah, and, and that's one of the things that you know we lost. And everybody's like, "Oh man, all right, you know what? Let's let's do this again," kind of thing. And it was it. it no, I don't think and I can't remember anybody walking away from the table going, "Well, that was dumb." Uh, you yeah. know that kind of thing. It was more along the, "Oh man, we sh- we really need to pull this together." You know, it was more thinking about what we could have done different. And and the the game was over, but it was still in our head. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the cool things about the captain is that we've refined it enough now that. You're never losing by a huge amount. You still lose a lot. I mean, unless you know what you're doing, you're going to lose a lot. Uh, and because that was one of the things that was really important to us as we designed the game is we want the first pl- the first time you play the game, we want you to lose uh, because it makes you feel like, hey, I could have done that a little better. And just like you you said, when we were at the table, everybody's walking away thinking about what could they have done better. So we want you to lose, but we don't want you to lose by very much. We want it to be skin of your teeth every single time. And we've really gotten it down to that right now. So that it feels like oh, we just barely <laughs> lost, you know, that sort of thing. So it makes you want to play it again. So anyway, the alerts deck will kick you in the teeth, especially, you know, as you get harder and harder. You start off with the easy ones, the yellow alerts. You go to orange, and it gets a lot harder. And then you get to red, and red alerts are are so brutal. You know, if you get into red alerts, you're pretty much not going to win. You know, <laughs> within the first couple of cards of red alerts, you're going to be dead. Uh, so that's the first way: win early, or you're going to lose. <laughs> the next way is that there's aliens actually invading the ship. They're boarding the ship the entire time you're playing, and if you don't keep enough of them off the ship, they will overrun you and you lose. <laughs> so that's always a problem. You're always having to fight these guys off and you know keep them out of your way so that you can get the work done that you need to get done. And then finally, uh, you know, your shields only have so much capacity. They can only take so much damage. So if you continuously take damage from the from the ship pounding you and you're not repairing the shields to keep it, you know, at bay, that's another way to lose. Uh, so it's really giving you that feeling of being on the ship, constantly being bombarded and assaulted by this outside alien force. So, oh, and I think that's another thing we added that I should tell you about. Since the last time you played, we've actually made it so that that alien ship that's outside your ship can call in its friends. It can summon additional ships to <laughs> kick the snot out of you. Nice. And then we added a torpedo launcher so that you can fire back and kind of shoot down some of those ships as they're coming in. So anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, that that is definitely something that, that was a little bit different from when we played. Because I remember, I think one of my early feedback was how the uh, aliens at first kind of felt anticlimactic. They just kind of sat there and uh, we didn't really have to deal with them very much. Yeah. Now they're coming up all over the ship. They used to kind of pop up in specific regions. Now they spread themselves out. They come in hard and fast. And it's easy to get overwhelmed if you don't, you know, as long as you stay on top of things, you're going to be fine. But if you let something get out of hand just a little bit, it'll start spiraling. And uh, (laughs) that's where you get into trouble. No, that's awesome because I think that actually was one of the things that we talked about and I had brought up early on was that I think they all, the very first time I played, I think they just all kind of congregated in the cargo hold and had an AA meeting or something. I don't know. Yep. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and one of the things I was like, you know, it'd be kind of nice. And I know that technically they don't like move around the ship in in this version, but to have them pop up in different locations is yep. awesome because that yeah, was so there are the constant things, little obstacles everywhere. Right. And that was one of the things it was like, well, I can get from here to here to here. No problem because I never have to stop because of aliens blocking me or anything like that. As long as they're all going to stay in the cargo hold. Right. So yeah, that is a nice addition. I think I, I can't seriously, I can't wait to get this to the table next week and, uh, and give it a shot. Cause it's been a while. And I've been, uh, like I said, I've been, bugging jt about this one for a while uh so yeah i had a few hours to come over to minnesota and play with you (laughs) yeah that'd be awesome (laughs) 
Uh, you know, uh, we're going to get, let's, uh, we're going to switch over to the other two games here in, in a brief second here. But the other thing I just want to mention real quick, and if there's anything you want to add to it, uh, is the fact that it, it's a co-op with roles. So you've got the variable player powers and there are more roles than people, correct? Yes. So that's another way where you're going to get a bit of a different feel to the game every time you play. And if there's anything you wanted to add to that before we jump over to another game, feel free. Yeah, so you're right. The the having all those different roles to choose from really uh really makes it interesting. So you don't get that, you know, if you're playing like a pandemic or flashpoint fire rescue, you get randomly assigned a role and if you don't like it, too bad. But with the captain, you know, since we have fourteen roles and only seven possible players, you can you'll get two roles to choose from. And you can kind of go weigh the pluses and minuses of those roles based on the other people that are playing with you as well. So you can kind of tailor, you know, who do I want to be relative to who everybody else is going to be so that I can be a really useful member to this group. And every single character in the game has a unique set of skills that it comes with that is not it makes it feel unique and new we don't have anything that's mundane or boring the things that are boring but totally useful are things that we we're like we don't want those on the character we want everybody to just have access to those all the time kind of things so we made them at systems in the ship rather than making them you know a feature of your character so the really utilitarian things are all throughout the ship and then the really powerful really unique and interesting skills character so like the diplomat can actually negotiate with the aliens and kind of trip them up so that it screws up their them attacking you for a little bit. And the teleporter chief actually can use the teleporter for free. So he can just kind of jump around all over the ship, just crazy movement. So there's, you know, lots of different options depending on, you know, which character you choose. You have the hologram, which is a really uber powerful character, but He's also weak in that he works off of the computer core. So if the computers go offline, his turn is over. He, I mean, he won't even be able to take a turn if the computers are offline because he's, you know, tied to the computers. Yeah. So you, 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 you weigh that at the beginning of the game. You know, do I want to take this really powerful character with this fatal flaw built in? Or, you know, do I want to take this other one? Anyway, that's that really adds to that flair of playing with a different character every time since you have 14 of them and you can only pick seven, uh, you know, if you're playing with seven players. It's really, uh, really adds to it. So uh, let's go ahead and flip over to another game. Which one do you want to tell us about now? Why don't we talk about Scarborough Fair? All right. Which is kind of the ultimate merchant game. You've probably heard the song about Scarborough Fair. You're selling uh, a bunch of different resources in the game that are uh, sage and thyme. They're plants, essentially, but that doesn't really matter. What What's going on is that in the game, each the, the players aren't the people at the fair. All the people at the fair are kind of milling around, going from entertainment, you know, like uh, theater or music, to try and get food or whatever. And along the way... There are all these shopkeepers, right? And you are a shopkeeper. You're setting up these little tents in between all of these uh, activities that people are doing at the fair. And what you're trying to do is attract their attention so that as they're moving around uh, from place to place, you're selling, you know, whatever goods you happen to have. And it's a market economy. You can always raise your prices, for example, higher than the other merchants, but that's only going to do you so good if if there's another merchant right next door to you that's selling the same stuff for less, you know, that the people as they're milling around are going to go to that guy. Uh, they're not going to go to you. So you want to, you can kind of take different strategies. If you can corner a market, like corner a certain area of the fair where no other merchants are around, then you can sell your your goods for as high as you possibly can imagine. You know, can you can make a lot of money that way. But if they sneak in somehow, then that that strategy isn't going to work for you. So another way you can do it is to sell large volumes of something at a low price, and you know, try and try and work out that way. There's a lot of different strategies that you can apply, and and basically, uh, you know, the goal is simply to be the person who collects the most victory points by selling the most things. But one of the things I found interesting about it is that the victory points go up in price as you play the game. So, 
the first victory point only costs you five bucks, but the next one is 10, the next one after that is 15 and so on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it behooves you to become one of the early leaders to grab those really cheap uh, victory points. However, if you're spending money on victory points, you can't spend money to buy more inventory to restock your tents, <laughs> you know, to, yeah, yeah. so it gives you a disadvantage. It, it gives you an advantage in becoming an early score, uh, score maker, you know, getting more victory points, but it gives you a disadvantage in that now you've spent your money that you, your hard earned money in the early going on these victory points and you don't have as much money to buy more resources that you can sell to customers. So it's a really, it's a really interesting market dynamic. Uh, and it's one of my favorite games on the game crafter. So I was like, we got to put this in the Kickstarter. Nice. So how many players for that one? That one will go two to four. Okay. It's a little bit smaller than the captain, but not much. It's still um, a huge board and lots of, uh, lots of parts, as you can imagine, because you're, you know, you've got all the market pieces and tents and everything that you're setting up. So, and playtime about the playtime on that one is less than an hour. Uh, okay. Generally speaking, it's uh, thirty to forty-five minutes. I have had one game. I've probably played it fifty times. It, it's just a great game. I've had one or two games that have gone up to an hour, but generally speaking, thirty to forty-five minutes is is how long it'll take. Uh, and that one's made by Alan Lamb. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's that's a, a sweet spot for playtime too. Oh yeah, and yeah. then so we've got uh, one more in the bundle. One more in the bundle is turbulence, and uh, so the basic premise of the game is that you are an air traffic controller trying to safely take off and land a bunch of planes without crashing them into everybody else, right? I mean that's the story of it, but in reality, it's kind of this abstract puzzle. Basically, your planes are flying up along airstreams, and the airstreams are on these uh, hexagonal-shaped tiles. And you can rotate the tiles or uh, or flip in a new tile, like get rid of the tile that, that's there and replace it with a different one, uh, kind of like Suro almost. But your planes fly along those airstreams that are on the tile. So if you rotate a tile a little bit so that you can get your plane kind of flying in the direction you want it to fly, that might screw up somebody else. It'll create a completely new path that somebody else is trying to fly through. So you're, you're trying to negotiate. You've got to get, you've got seven planes. You've got to get five of them to your landing strip uh, safely before the other players do. So uh, you've got all this kind of, you know, nifty puzzle making that's going on. But then there's also, you know, a lot of strategy about this may hurt me to turn my plane in this particular direction, but it doesn't hurt me nearly as much as it hurts that guy over there who, you know, who's closer to winning. So uh, you've got that kind of stuff going on. And then you can also it doesn't really hurt you to destroy your planes. They get sent back to the start, but it's not like you have any penalty beyond that. So sometimes you might strategically run your plane into one of the leader's planes so that, you know, they both <laughs> crash and fall out of the sky just so you he doesn't get that extra score. Oh, you know? man, this this sounds like a game right up uh, Jordan and I's alley. Yeah, if we can screw each other over in that manner. Oh, man, that's what's so great about it. It is such a screw your neighbor game. I just I love it. The only downside to the game is really that it's a two to three player game. I wish I could get it a little bigger, you know, um. Uh, he, the designer is working on a four player expansion for the game. So that'll be out at some point, but I still don't, I don't think it's, I think, don't think it's that big of a downside. It's because it's so interactive and so strategic. And so, uh, like I said, the, the screw your neighbor element of it, just, Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of people really like that too. Uh, you know, just kind of messing with people. And it plays really, really fast. You'll have a game that's 20 to 30 minutes long. So it's a really nice, quick, it can be a filler game, but usually because you've got that whole group dynamic of kind of screwing each other over, immediately after one game ends, you're going to want to play another one to try and get back at the guy that just screwed you over. <laughs> so um, yeah, generally speaking, when I've been playing it with my friends, everybody's like, no, we're not ready to put this away yet. After just one game, we, we usually play it at least a second time, if not a third time to try and, you know, everybody's got to work out their frustrations. So, <laughs> and then, uh, what are we looking at for pricing for each game? And then the bundle, if, if you want all three, I know you can mix and match, but right. Yep. So you, uh, you can buy because turbulence is a little bit smaller of a game. It has a lot of tiles and cards and, and tons of little airplanes. The little airplane miniatures are awesome. 
so it has a lot of parts, but it's a, it's a three player game, so it's a little smaller than the other two. So that one's a forty dollar game. The uh, Scarborough Fair is a forty five dollar game, and the Captain, being a two to seven player game with tons of parts, is a fifty dollar game. It's uh, kind of a, on the upper end, you know, price wise, but it is worth every penny. So together, that's one hundred and thirty five bucks. But if you buy them as a bundle, you get one game free. You get all three games shipped to your door, shipping included, for $99, which is a pretty smoking deal, really. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that we really wanted to do uh, with the bundle is to make sure that we had this really good bargain with the bundle. So $99 for three really big games is a, is a pretty good price, especially considering it includes shipping. Okay. Well, we're getting close to our time here. So is there anything you want to make sure we touch on before we uh, wrap up? Just anytime you want to play the captain, you let me know. Cause like I said, <laughs> I love playing that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank, thank you for the time. Uh, and, and everybody go check out the captain is dead on Kickstarter. Yeah. If only we lived closer, JT. I know. And if, if you, you were, were going to Protospiel, Michigan, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know my, my wife scheduled us, uh, our vacation our summer vacation to be exactly during that time. So I'm going to be in Canada yeah. while you're, while you're enjoying Protospiel, Michigan. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, once again, first, uh, come June 9th, you can go over to the gamecrafter.com and check out the new contest. So by, by sometime during the ninth, right, you're going to have the new contest up for people. Yep, to it'll be on. the ninth or the 10th, Monday or Tuesday, we'll be launching it. Okay. So you can check that out again, the gamecrafter.com. And then come June 12th, 2014, you can find a live version of the Captain is Dead Kickstarter. And again, before that, because this should come out uh, this weekend. So before that, if you check the show notes, uh, you will see the preview page for the Kickstarter. And make sure you check that out and go ahead and click on that notify on launch so you know exactly when the Captain is Dead launches on Kickstarter. All right, JT, thanks for hanging out with me again, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always. All right, there you go, everybody. I uh, will be back very soon, actually. We've got another Road to Relaunch coming up, uh, recording tomorrow night. So we will have more interviews and more information for you about the Kickstarter process and projects that are coming up. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.